When I was a kid, they had a thing called WHT. It was the, some of you remember because you're old enough to, for the young people who are here, this was the precursor to cable television. So WHT came out, eventually HBO came out, and anybody remember the box? Did anybody actually pay for the box? No. You waited for somebody else to get it, the neighbor, and then you did the whole thing with the wire or you paid somebody 20 bucks or whatever. This is awful. I know y'all young people are judging us, but y'all got your own thing, okay? So um, we can start talking about your time on the phone. So we won't do it. We won't do it. But check it out. So we would all get this thing. It was WHT. At WHT, at 11 o'clock at night, they had soft porn on. And um, I was about six or seven years old, and I discovered it. <laughs> and I started to watch it. For some reason, my father, who worked from 9 p.m., he worked overnight. My father worked overnight. And so um, from 9 p.m. till about, he wouldn't get home till like 11 or 12. So I guess he worked till like 10 or 11. And um, he walked in the door and caught me watching this thing. It was that moment that was the birth of shame in my life. He then told the whole family what he saw me do. And I remember even up till as an adult just being perceived as the pervert in my family. You know, that stuck with me and stays with me still. I wonder if you have that moment, that birthplace of shame in your life. Maybe it was something you did. Maybe it was something done to you. But that thing where you walk around and you go, I am worthless. Shame is a universal experience. It happens if you're young. If you're very young, I, man, if you're, if you're young, like uh, junior high, high school, college young, I beg you to listen to today's message because this whole culture, it's, it's becoming more and more based on shame. I mean, how embarrassed do you feel when you put a post up and you don't get any likes? It's not just embarrassment. There's shame there, isn't there? You see, this thing, shame, will affect your marriage. It'll affect your single life. It'll affect how you raise your kids. I remember I was talking to a divorced person, and they were, they were being overly generous with their children to the degree where they were hurting their children. Have you ever seen a parent? Have you ever been a parent? who you gave your kid too much and it's actually hurting them. Like you're doing, you know, I know, oh, I didn't have, I just want to give them everything. No, 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 no. There's this thing of shame. I remember talking to the, to, in, this, in this particular person, and he said, but I just, I just feel so ashamed about the divorce. 
I want to make it up to them. Shame was making him behave in a way that was unhealthy for his child, and yet that's the way shame works. It makes you behave in ways that are unhealthy both to you and to those around you. So today we're gonna to talk about shame, but it's not gonna to end today. We're gonna to actually have to spend a couple of weeks on shame because shame is something, listen, some of us, some of us are still using, the party has been over for decades and you're still using the drink and the drug because of shame. Some of us are, some of us haven't been to church for years because of shame. You went out, you acted out, you did whatever you did, and now you're coming, you're just coming back. But there was shame there. For many of us, the reason we attend a service is not for glory to Jesus, it's because of shame. We, have, we found a way to address our shame, and it's attending a service. You could skip a service, on the basis of shame, you can attend a service. You see how shame works? Shame will get you any way it can. And we all struggle with it. So today, we're going to start our talk on shame tomorrow. Tomorrow. Next week, we're going to continue it. But I need you, listen to me. I want you not only to come, I want you to invite a friend. Let me tell you why. Shame is universal. Every one of us experiences it. Women experience it different than men. Men experience shame in being inadequate. Women experience shame in other ways. But there is a deep sense where we all experience this. Today, we're going to look at the very first moment of shame in the history of the world. It's found in the book of Genesis, right at the very beginning. Shame, it doesn't take shame more than three chapters to enter the world. Imagine that. That's how profound shame is. So here's what I know. You love Jesus, you deal and struggle with shame. You don't love Jesus, you deal and struggle with shame. I want you to come on this journey with us as we do this for about two, maybe three weeks. Remember, we're in a new series, and what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about difficult emotions. The name of the series is Modern Problems, Ancient Solutions, How the Gospel Heals Our Difficult or Troubling Emotions. And so I want you to stick with me because this is going to affect every area of your life. In Genesis, chapter 2, verse 25, to Genesis 3, 13. We're actually going to do 2.25 and then 6.13. There's so much more that we needed to um, put. It just wouldn't have fit on your page. So I had to edit a whole bunch of the scripture out, but I'll be referring to it anyway. With that being said, would you stand with me at the reading of God's word? We stand because we... It's like telling our bodies, we're going to hear or we're going to read something that's more uh, important than my opinion and my thoughts. So listen, as we, would you give yourself permission to fight with this thing called shame, but in a gospel-centered way? 
Because as we wrestle with shame, I don't want you to suppress. I don't want you to stop. I don't, even as I say the word shame, some, some of us think, I was in a family reunion yesterday. And shame crept up like four times over the very same thing that I just told you about this little, how they view me as the pervert of the family. And I'm like, 50 years old, man. This thing happened, this thing happened in the 70s. I still walks with me. Let's see, listen. So I'm not, I'm not preaching to you as a person who's overcome this. I'm preaching this to you as one who would walk with you as we travel from the, from the root of shame to the joy in Christ. Let's read this together. Genesis 2.25. I want you to especially read this one verse with me. Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Pause. And that's the way it's supposed to be. Now let me tell you what happened. Listen. <clears throat> when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made covering for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord. They hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. So I hid. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I've commanded you not to eat from? The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. The Lord God then skipped from verse 13 all the way down to verse 21. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. This ends the reading of God's word. Please have a seat. So shame is universal, and shame has a way of consuming your life, directing your actions and decisions. Shame will mess with you on an incredible level that will affect every area of your life. If you've ever uh, been addicted to anything 
you have struggled with shame. If you've never been addicted to anything, you have struggled with shame. Shame comes in subtle forms. Shame comes in major forms. Shame comes in subtle forms. You get out of the shower, especially if you're, oh my gosh, this happens. I just feel so bad for young girls at this point. You come out of the shower and you are not uh, airbrushed. And, and you go, there's something wrong with me. I don't look like the norm or I don't, I don't, I don't measure up. Or us guys, we're, we just wonder, it's like, oh my gosh, this is, it's just a shame just washes over you. I want you to know that what helps shame to grow, like if we were scientists and we had a Petri dish, and we wanted to make shame grow. What we would do is we would put shame in the Petri dish. And then if we wanted to make it grow, we would, we would put secrecy, silence, and judgment. And then stand back and watch shame grow. So I want us here in this time that we're together as we're doing this series, I want us to expose the shame because the church of Jesus Christ is one that comes together. Here's the deal. We have a God that bared our, anybody know what the next word is? Shame. And so that means I can tell you my pervert story and you can go, oh wow, you too, me too. Maybe not that exact same thing, but I got stuff too. And so let's look at the, the first. It's just so, uh, I want you to see this. What is shame? We're going we're gonna to spend the rest of our time thinking about what shame is. Let me tell you what it is. And then, what, and then we'll end it what shame reveals. What shame reveals is a little bit, and by the way, let me just say this. The secular, uh, and I've been reading so much on shame Honestly, I started to read on shame just for me. I needed, to, I, I just felt, so, I mean, every time I get off this stage, you have no idea how much shame just washes over me. I just, oh, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I thought that. I can't believe I, whatever, it just, it just consumes. And I got to preach the gospel to my own heart. So I've been studying up on shame. But uh, here's what I noticed, that there's a, uh, a secular sort of modern way of looking at shame as all bad all the time. Not so. Shame is not all bad all the time. Sometimes, you know what shame is? Sometimes shame is an alarm letting you know that something under the hood in the heart has gone terribly wrong. We're going to look at that at the very end. So I want you to stick with me as we go through this. What is shame? Shame is, and here's our first point. By the way, in your, in your bulletins, you have what we call a sermon map. If you open it up, that'll help you to kind of um, track along with us. If you don't have a sermon map or you don't have a writing tool, we have these golf pencils that will... Um, lend you and so go ahead raise your hand if you don't if you need like the golf pencil or do you need a, a, a bulletin and we'll get it to you so go ahead keep your hand up so that uh, um, we could see you all right keep your hand up 
Ron, I think you have someone over there as well. Okay. And you have another person on the other side um, over there. Okay. So Ron's going to be running around. All right. While we're doing that, uh, what a shame. Shame is, here's number one. Shame is a painful obsession with the self. Shame is a painful obsession with the self. Again, it hits men differently than it hits women. But it's this being consumed with me. I don't measure up. I didn't do what I was supposed to. I did what I wasn't supposed to. And then you build on that. You let that grow. Again, remember what we said about what it takes for shame to grow? We put it in our little Petri dish. We put secrecy. We put silence. We put judgment. We put it there and then we stand back and we watch shame just grow. It's a painful obsession with the self, with the things of my past, with the things that were done to me, with the things that I have done it consumes. Shame is a painful obsession with the past, but it's not just a painful obsession of, with the past. I'm patient, uh, a painful obsession with the self. It's also a flight from exposure. You know, if I could, uh, the best um, definition of shame that I ever heard was by a guy by the name of Dan Allender. Dan Allender has spent his entire life talking about sexual abuse, and so naturally shame has come up on um, his stuff. He's written incredible books like uh, The Cry of the Soul, or, um, oh man, what's that one that he did? Is like his first major work. What was the name of it? It's so good. The Wounded Heart. The wounded heart. If you've ever, if you're like me, don't raise your hand, but if you're like me and you experienced uh, some form of sexual abuse when you were, especially if you, when you were a young person, or even if you were, you were older, this book, The Wounded Heart, is very, very helpful. Especially addresses this issue of shame. But he said, that guy said, he said, shame is, shame is a pain of the eyes. And this is what I mean by when I say it's a flight from exposure. You see it in the text. Do you see it here? It's in verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid. It's a hiding. It's an exposure. It's okay. All right. I'm going to give a very, very crude and terrible illustration, but hopefully it'll, you'll get it. Has anybody here ever been in a car with friends on a trip? Raise your hand. Car friends with trip. Okay. That's a lot of us, right? Okay. Has anybody here? Don't raise your hand. Has anybody here ever passed gas in that same car? Okay. All right. There's a few of y'all. Okay. And out of those of you who have passed gas, which one of you said, it was me? Okay. Not so many. Right? Okay. So, what's that? Why? 
The gas was passed. That's not what we feel ashamed about. We feel ashamed about being exposed because shame is a sin of the eyes. And you and I will lie in a car with my friends. They're already smelling it. We don't care. We won't tell anybody. And the reason we won't tell anybody, because shame is a flight from exposure. Picking my nose doesn't make me feel ashamed. Picking my nose in front of a girl I like, that makes me feel ashamed. You see the difference? Doing something wrong doesn't make me feel ashamed. Watching that thing that I watched when I was a kid, that did not make me feel ashamed. It was when my father's eyes were laid on me. See, when you, when you and I feel shame, we flee from exposure. We feel it so much, we'll stop attending. If you attend a 12-step meeting and something shameful happens, you may never go back. Or something in this church happens. If you're a member of this church and shame happens, you may never come back. Why? Because it's too much to be exposed. We've had people, and right, and just so you know, we are not trying to be anything other than we are at the Next Step Community Church. Here's what we are. We are a mess. We are broken. We desperately need Jesus. If you're that messy and broken, you can be down and join the club. It is cool. We're glad that you're here. But here's what, here's what I see. Someone will lose their cool in a public space, start yelling, make a fool of themselves, you know. And they won't come back. I just feel so ashamed. Shame is a flight from exposure. Once that's exposed, whether it's by people or by God, we run. It's why. It's why so many people, every time I invite people, inevitably, anybody know what the response is? I can't go to church. If I went to church, though. Roof would cave in. I'd be like, you have no... Boy, listen, if that had happened, we'd be, we'd be under the moon right now, boy, because we'd be under the sun right now, wouldn't we? Right? Because there's a bunch of sin in this room, right? Not a little bit of sin. I'm just talking about the person sitting in your seat. There's a lot of sin in this room, right? True? Yes? No? Yeah, yeah, sure there is. Is it starting with me? And listen to me. Listen to me. But they... Being exposed to the word of God. It's more than, it's not their sin that they're worried about. It's being exposed. I think it would just consume them. Isn't that interesting? The roof would fall down on me. Because shame is a painful obsession with yourself and a flight from exposure. It's a sin of the eyes. Thirdly, Shame is a violence against self and others. Shame is a violence against yourself and others. You don't have this in the text, but there's this moment God sees this incredible, um, I mean, a brokenness. I, you and I cannot imagine the brokenness of the first brokenness. I mean, everything was perfect, like perfect. We can't even imagine what that is. Adam and Eve are there, and they're covered in these fig leaves. And God, 
what he does instead is he covers them with the skin of an animal. I mean, it's bloody. It's noisy. It's violence. God was doing something there that would help them to look to the future and help us to look to the future. That our sin and our shame is both gross and terrible and God does something about it. He does not stand idly by. But when we, when we experience shame, it's a violence against ourselves. Ask yourself this question. What is your self-talk when you're experiencing shame? I don't know what yours is, but boy, mine's is pretty vile. I remember, I don't have to remember too far, I was uh, experiencing some really profound shame. And I remember just because I write out my prayers, I don't know if you've ever cursed while you're writing, but that's how filled with anger and shame, if I could have, I mean, if I could have come back from the past to beat myself up, I would have. I was just so angry with myself. The things that you and I will say to ourselves in a moment of shame, we would never dare to share with anyone else. We would never dare to say, because we'd be all alone. If we, told, if we told to others what we tell ourselves, we'd have no friends. Nobody would be around us. Because shame, it's a violence to your own soul. Fourthly, shame is a traumatic exposure of nakedness. Shame is, yeah, the traumatic exposure of nakedness. I want you to see verse 25 and then see verse 7. Adam and Eve, uh, Adam and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. You see, here's, here's the deal. There was a time where the human race had nothing to be ashamed of. And yet right now, we literally wear clothes as a direct result. This is like, the clothes that we wear is like a, it's a direct result of shame. We're covered up. They were, they were known, Adam and Eve was known. Everything about them was on display and there was nothing in them that said, I need to cover myself up. I don't, I don't know that I have a relationship like that in my whole life. There's always something I'm covering up. In verse 7, they recognize that they're naked. They recognize that they're exposed. We're no longer just talking about clothing, guys. Think about this. Some of us have secrets from our spouses. Think about that. Think about what it means that the person that you plan, that you have uh, surrendered to be one with. There are things that you cover up because them knowing this about us is too much. Some of our best friends don't know 
everything that there is to know about us. Shame is a traumatic exposure of nakedness. Right now, if I went into your brain and I could uh, project the, the most shameful moment of your life on the screen, you'd run out of the room. Why? Because shame is a traumatic exposure of nakedness. You and I are sitting here just fine with the worst thing that we've ever done, so long as nobody else knows, so long as we don't talk about it, so long as we talk about this sort of general observation of shame and we don't get specific about your shame. It's a traumatic exposure. And none of us want to be that exposed. So what do we do? We hide. We front. We act. We do everything that we can to avoid being exposed. I, want to, I just want to stay here for a second. And the reason that I want to stay here is because I want you to feel deeply that shame is doing something good. As shame gets stirred up in our soul, shame has the potential to lead you to hide or lead you to surrender. See, because God comes in the garden and he starts asking these questions. Here's the thing, though. It's God. He's asking questions that he knows the answer to. But God never wastes a moment, so why bother asking questions? He's trying to get them and their heart to confess something, to see something is broken. And unless we see our own brokenness, unless God goes through the process, do you remember seeing it here? He says this, where are you? Can I just say this? That God might be asking that question to you right now. That it's possible. Imagine this. It's possible for you to be in a service like this, dedicated to seeking the face of God and hide from God right where you are. It's possible to do good moral deeds, cook for the hungry, feed bags of food to the homeless. It's possible that you use those things to hide from God. And God would say, where are you? And you just have never had the courage to say, I feel ashamed being around you, God. I'm exposed, or in Adam's way, I heard you and I hid because I was naked. 
But God can use that shame. And God is coming to you even now to remind you that the shame that you possess is not the final word. Come back to verse 21. He says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. Notice, God didn't go, What did you do? Look, how am I going to even, I can't even look at you at this point. I can't believe that you did this. God did none of that. He met them where they were at. You feel ashamed? I've got covering for you. You know, that's not the last time that God did that. That on the cross, Jesus looked at you and your shame, and he says, I'm going to cover you like God covered Adam and Eve. I'm going to cover you with my righteousness. Not just cover your shame, but give you a new identity. Not just cover your nakedness, but clothe you with righteousness. And so in so doing, you are no longer bound to your shame. That when the one who sees all, when the, Lord, when the one who sees my moment of WHT, when he sees it, he doesn't see Edwin the shameful pervert. He sees his son. And evidently, I can do no wrong. Because he only sees me in the righteous robes of Christ. Don't you see that? Don't you see that? He goes, here, here. You've been clothed with these leaves of shame. With these things that you've tried to use to cover yourself so that no one could see the real you. So that no one could see. If they saw the real you, they'd run away, wouldn't they? If they saw the real you, they just, they wouldn't accept you. You'd be thrown out. No one would love you if they saw the real you. And God goes, give me those leaves. They're not sufficient for you. I'm going to clothe you. In righteousness. So. I want you to feel that. Because we're going to deepen in on that. For the next week or two. As we talk about healing. From shame. I don't want you to miss a week. But I'm going to give you a little bit. Of the punchline that we're going towards. Next week. Because I want you to kind of ready your heart. I don't know if your heart's ready for it now. I'm sort of debating in my own mind, mind whether to share it with you. Okay. You know what shame reveals? If shame is a painful obsession with the self, a flight from exposure, a violence against uh, ourselves and others, and a traumatic exposure of nakedness, if that's true about shame, if that's what shame is, what shame reveals, shame exposes or reveals what we worship. Shame reveals what we worship. 
uh, I was, uh, we were in the family reunion and you know everybody started to talk about embarrassing things in the past, which is why some of my shame kicked up. I was like, oh man, if someone brings this up, help me to smile and laugh in the joy and the freedom of one who is redeemed by Jesus. I'm grateful they didn't bring that one up. I'm not sure I'm that mature, but I want it to be, you know what I mean? It exposes what we worship. Some of us, the shame that we experience expose us for not being an honorable person. Uh, let me give you an example. Um, so it exposes, shame tends to worship, uh, to expose our idols or what we worship. Um, I'm in a room. I'm in a room with about four pastors and there's about uh, 12 church planters and pastors. I'm training, nah, there's probably like 16. Um, like 16 church planters and pastors. I'm in the front of the room. I'm the person of authority. I'm the no guy. I know. I have the answers. That's what's in my head. Well, I'm, I'm in that and there's another guy who I crazy, like hella respect, right? Lots and lots of respect for this guy, right? So he's there, and he goes on, and he starts talking about some really important and uh, technical things about some subject that we're all studying. And then he looks to me. Now, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you this part. I drift off. Have you ever done this? I drift off. I was in somewhere else. I was in Tahiti. I don't know where I was, but I wasn't in that room. I was not in that room. And he goes over, and I'm sitting there, and he goes, Edwin, and then he lobs me a softball question that I didn't quite get because I was in Tahiti, you know? And so rather than going, oh my, because I'm exposed, and I couldn't allow myself to be exposed as a person who wasn't the no guy, the I know guy, the I have the answer guy, I'm the, that I'm the authority guy. See, what I was worshiping was their view of me. Well, he asked me the softball question, and I might as well have said, you know, I don't know, you put a spam in a salteng and then you cook it. And it, like it had nothing to do with anything that he was saying, right? It was awful. I answered the question. He looked at me and then he changed the subject mercifully. He changed the subject and moved on. Never said a word about it. I went to my office. I stood there for three hours because I didn't feel safe going home because I thought I was going to take it out on my family. That's how furious and ashamed I was at myself. Again, against violence to the self, right? What was I worshiping? Their, my reputation. What others have thought about me. See, when you and I feel shame, it'll expose what you really worship. And that's where we're going to go. But I want you to stay with me throughout this entire series because I think it will be helpful to us all. This is the time that we have. Now, I want to remind you.
Now, let me ask you this. What would happen if you actually started to confront the things that you're ashamed with, with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would happen to you? Here's what would happen. Listen to me. You would stop identifying people by the shoes that they wear. Do you know what I mean when I say that? You would stop walking like this. Like there would be something that happens to you because your identity is found in Christ, the one that Jesus gives you, not the one that your reputation holds. It's different. It's new. Jesus gives you righteousness and forgiveness. But it doesn't come. At a, well, it comes at a, a zero price for you, but not for Jesus. Jesus.